Seriously. If we can just habitually sin, right? And live in that sin with no conviction in our heart, then how can we say that God has truly changed our hearts? We are new creations in Christ. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new have come. Listen, believers will and always will be marked by good works. It's a byproduct of salvation. We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on the book of John. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here is Pastor Stuart. If you're joining us for the first time, we've been working through the book of John. We have approached John chapter 5, in which last week we had the chance to look and to see Christ in his defense for his deity. The Jews, last week we saw, sought to kill him. And if you recall, because Christ showed his authority over the Sabbath and also claimed that God was his father making himself equal with God. This did not settle well with them. And so they sought to kill him. This week we still see Christ defending his deity. The fact that he is equal to God. Last week, we noticed five different things that we promoted that defended and protected the deity of Christ. The truth that, that Christ is God in flesh. And all of those points pointed to the equality, pointed to the truth that Jesus claimed to be God. Now, Jesus didn't say, I am God. But all of the evidence points to the fact that Jesus claims to be God. This week, really, there's no difference. We find ourselves right here again with the certainty that Christ is still God in flesh. And if I can just be honest, I think that if I had a little bit more than an hour like I did last week, I could have finished because all of what we are going to finish today was what Abraham Curavilla would say, that is the pericope of the text. Verses 19 all the way to 29 is one major thought. And the pericope is a a unit of coherent thought process in which the Scriptures point out. And so what we're doing today is just an overflow of what we did last week. But today we're going to talk about Christ and His deity and the fact of His resurrection. We're going to talk about resurrection as a whole. It's the age-old question, when a man dies, will he live again? The answer to that question is undoubtedly yes. Yes, yes, and yes again. Every single breathing soul, whether in the womb or whether in the grave, will one day live again, will rise it may surprise you that I say everyone, yes, referring to those that have, are believers in Jesus Christ and those that have not believed in Christ. Those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ alone and those that have rejected Jesus Christ 
alone. The ones that call Jesus Lord and the ones that reject Jesus as Lord. The ones that believe Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and those that refuse to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. All. You understand what I mean? All. In the Hebrew it means all. In the Greek it means all will be raised from the grave. Both saved and unsaved will both live again even after they die. Now, resurrection, the resurrection is not a, a new topic. It is one that is consistent from the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament. The resurrection in the Old Testament we find in places like Genesis 22, 5. When, when Abraham is called to sacrifice his son, yet by faith he says to his servant in Genesis 22, 5, stay here with the donkey, the boy and I will go worship, but listen, plurality, we shall return. Abraham had faith that even if he had to sacrifice his son, God would raise him from the dead, and therefore we see resurrection there. You say, Pastor, that might be reading the text a little bit. Well, I say, write down Hebrews eleven nineteen. Take a look at it when you get home. Abraham had faith in the resurrection from the dead. How about what we find in the book of Daniel? Chapter 12, verse 2, when he says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. It's a future pointing to resurrection. Look, if you will, at Job, or in the modern translation, Job, 1925-27. But know that my Redeemer lives, and that at the last He will stand upon the earth, even after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. (laughs) Resurrection. I will behold him, not as a stranger. How my heart yearns within me. David declared in Psalm 17, 15, As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness, and I will be satisfied with your likeness when I awake. Listen, they longed in the Old Testament for the resurrection. Isaiah 26, 19, your dead will live, their corpse will rise. You who lie in dust, awake and shout for joy, for your dew is at the dew of the dawn, and the earth will give birth. I love that thought prize, will give birth to departed spirits. Resurrection, the Old Testament. One of my favorite ideal of the resurrection comes from Ezekiel 37. Uh, You you ever seen those children's Bible with that picture of the dry bones, the dead bones? Boy, take a a chance and read that. Speaks of resurrection of dead bones. He breathes back into these bones. Life! Resurrection. The Old Testament is full of the idea. But so is the New Testament. Luke 14, 13 to 14 says, But when you... Give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Remember last week we talked about Jesus and raising Lazarus from the dead. 
There was a resurrection there, right? Temporal, he died again in his flesh. He wasn't risen up into, into heaven with Christ, but he was, he was raised from the dead. He says here in John eleven twenty one to 25, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would have not died. We know that Christ is all deity. He didn't have to be there. We saw that a few weeks ago as he healed the official son. He said, go and he's, he, he lives. He wasn't there. And she believes, oh, if you'd have been here, my brother would have not died. Even now I know that whatever you ask, what the faith she has, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Oh, I, I know he'll rise again. I'm talking about right now, but he... he Martha said, I know that he will rise again. When? In the resurrection on the last day. Do you recall when Paul was teaching about the resurrection? A matter of fact, Paul was mocked by the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers in Acts 17. When they ask, what did this idle babbler wish to say? Others? He seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities. Because he was preaching what? Jesus and the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, I must say, confirms the idea of resurrection. A matter of fact, it's formed and fashioned within the very gospel. Right? I, I, I give you what's of first and points. First, the death, the burial, and what? The resurrection of Christ. Because if Jesus doesn't raise from the grave, we are to be most pitied. We see it in Philippians 3, 20 to 21. We see it in Colossians 1, 18 and verse 22. We see it in 1 John 3, 1 to 3. We see it in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangels, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. The New Testament, the Old Testament, all teaches the doctrine of the resurrection. Just like the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's God's final act of salvation, of deliverance. We will raise from the dead. That's good news and bad news. But the purpose is clear. John six thirty eight to 40 says, I have come down from heaven not uh, to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up again on the last day. The resurrection. Jesus teaches us about the resurrection. And that's our introduction to the resurrection. But what I want you to take hold of today, and what I want you to grasp and believe and trust are these two vital truths about the resurrection. Two very important resurrections, both of which I plead and I beg that we understand. Now, I have to be honest, there's one that seems a bit more important than me than the others. 
but all of which are very important. But one which is vital because one, it will result in the second. And so I want us to understand first, we must understand the spiritual resurrection. Secondly, I want us to understand the physical resurrection. If you will, look at the importance of understanding that first we must understand the spiritual resurrection. John 5, 25 reads this, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. It's the second amen, amen statement that Jesus has said, truly, truly. When he says that, he's saying, perk your ears up and listen, because I'm about to say something very, very important. The first amen, amen statement, truly, truly statement, was last week's conclusion to our message. Let me remind you by way of looking at verse 24, when he says, truly, truly, I say to you, who, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of what? Death to life. There here is a transition that takes place. This transition is one that has moved a person from death to life. It's a vital statement. One that wraps up all of, of what Christian, what Christ has said in, in all of the previous verses. Because of all of his deity, because of all of his power, because of his all-knowing ability, because of his ability to judge between the living and the dead, he closes with this truth bomb that should shake us to the core. He who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Life comes from hearing. And there is no different an idea today when he says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That, my friends, is a spiritual resurrection. The hour of change has now come. Truly, truly, I say an hour is coming and is now here. Timing is important because there is an unseen division that splits this passage right in half. And I, I believe it's 25 to 27. And then there's a split that causes the now, the now and the future. And the now is the present. And you know why that's so important? Because you are now in the present. We can't worry about tomorrow, can we? Because tomorrow might not be the present for you. But you're here today. You have eyes to see and ears to hear. And today is the day of salvation. I know we get wrapped up, listen, in our eschatology. And there's great debate and argument. And while I believe that's all very important, I want you to understand there is none more important than the now. <laughs> the spiritual resurrection that Christ wants to offer to all who are here, all who are listening, all who are watching. He wants to give life. 
He wants to transition you from death to life and from the power of Satan to God so you can receive forgiveness for your sins who are set apart by faith in Him. It's it's a spiritual resurrection. You see, each of us, we come into this life the same way. Dead in our trespasses and sins. And again, we can dress nice. We put on ties and nice clothes. And we can even take care of our faces and our skins. And we can shave and we can put on lotions and smell good stuff. But at the beginning of our days, we all come the same way. Dead. Remember the sermon I preached from the casket to the kitchen? We all come in the casket. Dead in our trespasses and sins is what the scripture says. And if I can be honest, we come with ears and able to hear. Why? Because dead people can't hear. I've never been to a funeral in which I've preached and had a dead person say, Hey, hold on a minute. That's not true. Because dead people don't hear. And we are dead in our trespasses and sins. The problem is, you see, life comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ is what it says in Romans 10.7. You know, yesterday we had a great opportunity to do the hot dog giveaway in the community. We had many people come out. It was a successful event. I think we always want more to come, but we, w- the question is, what do we do with the ones that do come? Are we an encouragement to those that do come? And yesterday, I had an opportunity to share the gospel with a man by the name of Isaac. And you probably know Isaac. He had not ears to hear. He couldn't hear. As much as I wanted him to hear, I even had to stop him and say, listen, Isaac, pay attention. Stop worrying about where you're going to get and what you're going to get next and how you're going to get that next desire that you want. Pay it. Look at me. This is the most important thing you'll ever hear right here. Listen. And if I could have jumped into his soul and saved him, I would, but he had not ears to hear. And so we have to come and ask ourselves the very question and let it, let's just jump out of the gate today and ask ourselves the question, do you have ears to hear this morning from Christ? The words of Christ. I love Jesus. He doesn't cut anything short, right? He just says it just like it is. He asked the question in John eight thirty four or 43, why do you not understand what I'm saying? And then he answers his own question. It's because you cannot hear my word. Why can't you hear? It's because we are dead. Now, I I, I think thrashing a deaf person because they're unable to hear would be foolish on my part. And I want you to understand, that's not my objective. That's not my desire. That's not my passion. Because, listen, I can't guilt you into the kingdom of God. I can't convince you into the kingdom of God. But I truly believe that the Word of God, the words of Christ is what brings about life and He is able to make known to you what salvation is if you will desire in your heart to hear what Christ has to say. My prayer is that you would have ears to hear because I wonder how many today 
have heard the words of Christ. They understand the words of Christ. But because they love their sin, they reject the words of Christ. They they walk around like this. And they can hear nothing. Some say, well, you know, I, don't, I believe that uh, the, the Spirit of God is irresistible. That's fine. That, that doesn't quite fit into my theology, but I'm okay with that. I get it. We're all dead, and, and none come to Christ unless Christ first draw. However that works, I don't get paid enough to figure that out. But what I will tell you is this. In the book of Acts, chapter 751, I think it's a great illustration for some that hear this message today and they have their fingers in their ears when he says in Acts 7.51, you men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Take your fingers out of your ears this morning and listen because God wants to speak to your heart. And I believe that you can consistently keep your fingers in yours. And you know why I say that? Because Paul, when he was given his defense to King Agrippa, what did he say? What Jesus spoke to him on the word, on the road to Damascus, what did he say? Paul, why do you fight against my will? (laughs) You see, fingers in his ears for some time. I just happen to believe that God is able to draw all men to himself because... The scriptures that I read says, for God so loved the world, not the globe and the earth and the people. And he loved them so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world that we all might have life. If we'll just pull our fingers out of our ears and listen and believe. Truly, truly, I say an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. My prayer is that God will give you ears to hear so that you can transition in the now from death to life. And you, like all of those that have heard and believed, can experience the first resurrection, a spiritual resurrection. Because I tell you, you will not desire the future resurrection unless you obtain the current resurrection. Because all will rise. The question is, where will you rise? And when will you rise? We don't all rise at the same time, at least not in my eschatology. Again, I'm not a big proponent of trying to convince you on my eschatology, but I believe there's seven resurrections, and I'll tell you, all seven. But those that refuse the first resurrection, you won't rise till the last resurrection, and it will be to eternal death and separation from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And there will be not another opportunity. Christ is the offer. He's the only way to receive the now resurrection. The text says, when the dead will hear the the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. You see, first we have to stop listening to the world around us. Right? That's feeding us a lie. 
that we can somehow be transformed through some human methodology by reading some book of current steps to sanctification or salvation. Books that declare you can have your best life now. Boy, that's a bad deal. The devil seeks, listen, to kill, steal, and destroy. And the only thing that he has to do to see that through is to make you think you're living when you're dead. The hardest thing to do is to save a drowning person when they think they're swimming. <laughs> right? Get off of me, I'm swimming. No, dude, you're drowning. Right? It's hard to save someone that doesn't want to be saved. It's hard to help someone that doesn't want to be helped. Begins here in the heart to see a need. But the enemy consistently lies, has truly God said. It's been deception from the beginning in the garden. Jesus desires that you hear. And that will require many of us to take our fingers out of our ears. Remember, Jesus came not to judge the world. In John three seventeen. he says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. God has given him authority to judge. We've seen that, and we will see that in just a bit in our text, but his purpose was to come into the world that you might have life and have life abundant. That was his purpose, and I believe it was accomplished. The afterlife anticipated by the Old Testament saints has already become a reality. And the eternal life, as I have been saying, is both a present possession. He who has the Son has the life. Like we take that now, not like later down the road, but he who has the Son has the life. That's a current, present possession and a future certainty for those that believe. Man, I want this thing to encourage you. If you're, not, if you're here and you've never trusted in Christ, I want you to trust Christ. But my, I can't save you. Only Christ can save you. But what I can tell you, if you're here and you've trusted Christ, you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, boy, you ought to be encouraged today. Because when you get the bad news, or when you wake up feeling like sometimes I wake up feeling, back pains, or when you're sitting in that chair like Danny when I visited him yesterday. Cut from here to here and ten inches on his back in pain. There will come a day, brothers and sisters, when there will be no more pain. And no more suffering. And we will be with our King for eternity. To the resurrection of life. But it begins with a current spiritual resurrection. What's stopping you from hearing, believing, from responding? Listen, Jesus is the answer. He continues in verses 26 and 27. For just as the Father has life in himself, so he gave the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. I'm not going to beat those to death. We talked about those last week. But the reality is, here again is Jesus' deity statement. Only God could claim to have life in himself and only God can claim to make judgments for eternal life. 
But yet Jesus, we are told, does. The reason Christ can offer you spiritual resurrection is because the Father has given life in Himself to the Son. And just like the Father has life in Himself, so the Son does. And He who has the Son is free indeed. You know Christ this morning, personally. Not only does He obtain all deity in life-giving ability, we're reminded that he has all authority to execute judgment. The options are extremely simple. They're not complicated. There are two options. Believe or reject. Hear or ignore. And one that is offering you death to life, spiritual resurrection is the same one that offers judgment in the final resurrection. How blessed are we in the now. You have breath. You have the ability to speak. You have the opportunity to ask God to save you. Take the occasion to heed the call of God today in your life and to respond to the voice of the Son of God so that you might move from death to life. From the power of Satan to God. And you can be like so many who rejoice in their hope. You know, there's never a a funeral of an unbeliever I've preached has been easy. Because there's no hope. Our hope is in Christ. Everything else is a facade. Respond. We're so privileged Because we're here today, and Christ wants to offer each one of us spiritual resurrection in the now. Can you hear the voice of the Son of God today calling to repent and to turn to Him? Jesus said in John 10, 27, 30, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. Listen, the persons that can receive a spiritual resurrection are those who want to hear. The power that can grant you now resurrection is Christ. And His voice and the purpose of it all is that you might live. There's great joy in that. Now, I might not communicate that in the greatest way with great joy because I become so passionate about the Word of God, but I want you to know there's great joy in knowing where you're going to spend eternity. Don't you want to know where you're going to go? Listen, we must understand the spiritual resurrection because there's life connected to it. But not only must we understand the spiritual resurrection, secondly, we must understand the physical resurrection. So what's this physical resurrection all about? Well, the doctrine of resurrections points to the fact that everyone will be raised from the dead. As stated before in Isaiah 26, 19, the dead shall rise and their bodies shall rise. This is a great and mighty promise that we have as believers, as saints. 
those that have moved from death to life in the spiritual resurrection, not so much for those that have never experienced that, that rather choose to reject the truth is we will all rise from the dead, not at the same time, but all will be raised from the dead. Look, if you will, at verse 28. He says this, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear His voice. Again, we hear about the voice of Christ. The person of Christ that will hear will be affected. Notice, if you will, there's a a few different items here. He says, do not marvel at this. This what? Well, he is taking us back to the first section that deals with the spiritual resurrection. Don't marvel at this, that I can take people from death to life now. Don't marvel at that. Don't be astonished at that. That I am in the now resurrected people into salvation for an hour though is coming in which all are in the tombs will hear His voice. You see the difference? This is the major difference between the two. The first spiritual resurrection is optional. The second, it's mandatory. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The great preacher of yesteryear, Charles Spurgeon, said this, this teaches us the stolidity of human nature and how depraved the heart is. It also reminds you who are careless that there is no escape for you. If you will not hear the voice of Jesus now, you must hear it then. You see, you can drive those fingers into your ears today and block out what it is you know in your heart to be true as an act of rebellion, but there will be no doing that in the final resurrection. And I say final resurrection because it will be the last. Again, I told you, I believe there are seven. And, and, and I didn't know that until this week. That's why that was a tough week because when I read Matthew chapter 27... 51 to 52, let me tell you what, it messed me up. Let me read it for you, because I want to mess you up. (laughs) You're welcome to flip there. I don't think it's in the slides, because I just added this while I was sitting in my seat. Matthew 27, 50 to 51, and says this. Well, I'm going to read back a little bit. It's the crucifixion of Christ. Some of those were standing there, and when they heard it, began saying, This man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and was taking the sponge and filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, Look, let, or, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Listen to this. And the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. What? I never heard that before. What? 
Where, who are they? Doesn't say. But what we see is two resurrections. First, Jesus. Then I believe the Old Testament saints, a few have chosen, chosen, for however God chose them, He chose them, but they were raised from the dead. And then it tells us that they appeared to those in Jerusalem. Right? So then I was thinking, man, my, 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 my eschatology just got all messed up. So then I had to go through and begin to say, okay, well, there's the second resurrection, which I didn't know existed. Then I said, well, let me go ahead and figure out then when the next one happens. And so then I turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18. And that's when we see the rapture take place and we are called up with Christ. That's number three. Number four is in Revelation uh, when the two witnesses are beheaded because of their faith and they have a celebration and um, it says that right before their eyes they will be raised. Number five was the uh, after the second coming but before the thousand year reign when the, the martyrs of the Three and a half year tribulation period, those that did not take the mark of the beast, they were killed, they raised. That's number five. Number six then was the Old Testament saints. A few of some who rose, I believe, secondly, are not raised till after that because it says in Revelation, I believe it's chapter 20, that they will reign with Christ for a thousand years and then finally number seven will be all of those who reject Christ, those who will be raised up and put into with the devil and Satan into eternal judgment. Now I'm feeling better because I feel like I got that thing figured out until somebody messes me up again. The reality is this. He says, don't, don't, don't marvel <laughs> the fact that I can breathe life. Take someone who's dead and make them alive again. Marvel at the fact that all will rise. At the voice of God. The voice of Christ. All will hear. All will obey. But in the final judgment... Lost souls will resurrect after the thousand-year reign into judgment. And I desire more than anything in my heart for no one in this room under my watch to make that resurrection theirs. But I promise you, you must take your fingers out of your ears. You must humble yourself as a child. Stop thinking you got it all figured out. Because you give to the needy, you give to the poor, because you've done A, B, and C. Jesus says, in, or the Word says in Galatians 2.20, if works could save us, then what? Christ died needlessly. If we could be good, just like I told Isaac. Isaac, if you just be good, Jesus didn't need to die. You just need to be good enough. We must hear. God must change our heart. John 5, 28, 29, all the tombs who are in the tombs will hear the voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to the resurrection of life and those who committed evil deeds to the resurrection of judgment. Now that might mess some of y'all up, but it doesn't mess me up because I understand what he's saying. The fact is, is listen, the, the major thing is all will rise. Those that are born true into the faith, again, believers are, are pointed out here, must I say, to those that do good deeds. 
Good deeds don't save us, but I promise you, listen to me, it's because some need to hear this, right? We all need to hear this. If you ain't living a life that honors God, you better question what's in your heart. Because from what I can see in Scripture, it says you, have, you are a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away, and behold, the new have come. If you knew Stuart Guthrie in 1997, all the way, well, any time before 2001, March 25th, you would see a different person. But when God saved me, he changed me. I didn't, didn't tell me, I didn't say I was perfect. But something's changed. I have a, I'm a new creation in Christ. I have different desires. I have different convictions. And when I sin, oh, it pierces my soul. And my prayers is that you too will have a resurrection into life and you will be seen as one who has good deeds. Listen, I, I, I'm all about the doctrine of grace. I love the grace of God. And I understand the grace of God. But in our culture, there is this antinomianism that's just blasting through that says, oh, sin and sin and sin and sin so that grace may abound. But Paul said, may it never be. Our lives, listen, shall be marked with holy desires as we strive for perfection. But listen, our lives are not marked by perfection, but rather direction. Our life isn't marked by perfection, but rather the direction. And I want to ask you a question. Which way are you headed? In, in, in the right way or the wrong way? Sanctification, listen, is a mark of the believer. Not perfection, but a movement toward becoming more like Jesus Christ. We call that the perseverance of the saints. If you're sinning and sinning and sinning and never had conviction, assuming that you know that you're sinning, what mark is there that you have a new life in Christ? Seriously. If we can just habitually sin, right? and live in that sin with no conviction in our heart, then how can we say that God has truly changed our hearts? We are new creations in Christ. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new have come. Listen, believers will and always will be marked by good works. It's a byproduct of salvation. It's not what saved them, but... Their faith in Christ, and in their faith in Christ, it brought them about to holiness and to good works. Because God says, be holy for I am holy. Good works, listen folks, is an evidence for your salvation. It's an evidence. And we know why it's an evidence. Because in Ephesians 2, we better not call God a liar. But he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. You were created. When God brought you from death to life, He created you for good works. Listen, for which God prepared for you beforehand 
so that you would walk in them. Listen, our deeds manifest the condition of our heart. And I believe the culture has lied. And if I can just step out on a limb here, I believe many churches have lied. Because they've lied to their people saying, if you just walk the aisle, pray a prayer, you're going to heaven. You do not find that in the Bible. Now, I'm not against walking the aisle and praying a prayer. Because if that prayer reflects the desire of your heart, and I, listen, I'd love to walk you through that process and, and look and see what salvation looks. That's, that's okay. I don't never discourage anybody from coming forth. But do not let us not promote the fact that walking the aisle, praying a prayer, changes our heart. It's our belief in Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, included there the resurrection. If you have a calloused heart and you've justified your wrong and you simply are living in sin, then I would tell you to check your heart. Listen, I'm not a fruit inspector. I'm not here to tell you you're saved or not saved. But he says you will know them by their what? By their fruits. But too many of us are known by our roots because our roots are producing rotten fruit. The one that is resurrected to judgment has nothing to do with works, good or bad. It has to do with whether or not you responded to the voice of God in the spiritual resurrection, in the now. You see, this resurrection that we're speaking of now is only physical. The stamp of approval into salvation was a result of your responding, remember, to the voice of the Son of God in the previous resurrection, the resurrection of life. From death to life. John 5, 24, remember, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come to judgment but passed out of death to life. This person is one that has responded to the call of God. And because of that, he doesn't come into judgment. You are seeing the result of a saved soul at the resurrection. And we better bet it's marked with good deeds. It's not your efforts that change the future resurrection. Your physical resurrection is that as a result of the now decision in your life to respond to the call of God in your life today. We don't need to worry about that. That, sorry. The future. What we need to worry about is the now. Because the now (laughs) means everything. That is a byproduct of your responding now. Listen, the person that receives physical resurrection are all that hear the difference now is you will hear and the outcome will be different. It will be a voice so sweet that it will be heard all over the world and all will rise. Christ and his voice is important. And that's why we must understand the spiritual resurrection and the physical resurrection. You have a choice. Choose number one or number two. 
whatever eschatology you believe, you hold, depends on today, in the now. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. We want to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you are challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through the book of John. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.